Okay, we begin this morning. Shaftim, we have more for the overview, but we will integrate it as we go along. So, Perak Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, that's a rare Mamakim that we have here in this year. So, will lead to the Gemara in a couple of years. If you recall, we discussed at the beginning of the introduction the background, the Yeshua Benun was fighting for many years, didn't have as many years as he wanted. The assumption of Chazal is that he would have lived at least 120. And L'Shem Shamayim completely, clearly, Chazal are not criticizing the fact that it wasn't L'Shem Shamayim. They were criticizing on his Madrega the fact that it was almost like a Chizkiyo HaMelech Kavshi Lamalach. Why are you making any Cheshbenes? Now, that's not a criticism of making cheshbenis per se. We spend all day making some form of cheshbenis. Uh, yesterday's discussion was all about the mayach over the lave, the intellect over emotions, controlling emotions, making decisions where the emotions are good for the Abedis Hashem, when they're not good for the Abedis Hashem, when you have to put them aside, when you shouldn't put them aside, shnei tzarecha. So we have about a thousand of those a day. So making cheshbenis was a cheshbenis who want in this particular situation. So it's not a criticism of making cheshbenis, it's a criticism on his madrega of making a cheshben. Let's go over what his cheshben was. I'm here, I have sort of a din of a melech, at least a shayfit, but many aspects of a din of a melech. It's more cohesive, it's more organized. I'm the Talmud of Moshe Rabbeinu, they recognize the leadership and we're getting things done, and therefore, the longer I stay alive, the longer everybody is going to behave, so to speak, and the longer we can keep control of the kivush, the chalukah, and everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing. If you don't have somebody like Yeshua Ben-Nun here, it's going to be more challenging, so you'll say, get a king. That was our introduction. That's Many say that it's perhaps a maidla if you can let everybody rule with their, as Amaral put it, rule with the lave, where the lave is already perfected enough that it's already integrated with the mayach, with the intellect, that they're doing the right thing naturally and they don't need the king to enforce it. So if, in a way, they have more bechir and they're doing the right thing, you can actually get more schar as opposed to when somebody is mandating that you do what you really want to do deep down. So that's a Maila. And for 350 years, starting from this Pasuk Aleph, by and large, it worked unless it didn't. That's a very deep statement. Uh, so we had a, we'll have a few disasters and some very uh, difficult times, ups and downs, but each parak that ends with the Yeshua, will say, and therefore, 
After that, they did tshuva, the land was quiet for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Those are long periods of time where it was actually pretty good. So, the Yeshua Benun was nervous about such a tekufa, and there's what to be nervous about. And he said, well, when that will happen, they're going to deal with it and take the mailas and deal with the chasrenas. But as long as I'm here, it's more organized and we'll get more done, and therefore I should be here longer. So he went slower on the conquest, which is a cheshbin. And Chazal understand that it was the wrong cheshbin, and he was nifter 10 years earlier. I mentioned that again over here for two reasons. First of all, a pashup shot. It sounds like, he achare Yeshua, and all of a sudden they ask, who goes to battle? Who's in the front lines? Who's leading us? Why did the Shaila come up now? The answer is, never came up before, because Yeshua Benun was here, and he decided when they're going to battle, who they're going to battle with, and he led them to battle. And now there's this vacuum, which clearly Yeshua Benun didn't plan for, for two reasons. He hoped to be here a little longer, and it's not really clear, even had it been 119 and a half, that the Kufa, he was about to be nifter at the right time, quote-unquote, that he would have prepared somebody to succeed him. Because if that were the case, you would think after Asneel ben Kanaz, he'd prepare somebody. If the mistake was made, you'll learn from the mistake. And after Eir ben Geira, none of them are going to prepare because if they're not appointing a king, there's no official shayfid. It was on an ad hoc, per need basis and the people governed themselves, which again, often was a maila, sometimes ended up being a chisarn. So this pussy sounds surprising, like they were just caught in a situation, okay, what do we do now? So, so what do we do now? Well, what was the plan? The answer is, Klai Yisrael, day to day, doesn't have an official government, and they're doing fine without a government, without a police force, without an army, but there are still pockets of resistance, and they need to continue the conquest. So who goes first? So... Nothing's a coincidence. We're starting this in Parshas Vayechi. So, if in the context of Parshas Vayechi, I'm sure all of you are probably Marva Sedra already for Parshas Vayechi this morning before Shir. So, in the Brochus, if you had to guess, who's going to go first? Who would it be? Yehuda. Well, if you had to guess, even if you weren't Marva Sedra yet from Parshas Vayigash, who's going to go first? Who wasn't? It's Yehuda. Interestingly enough, they didn't take that answer as a Dever Pashat. Stomp, fascinating. Like, if you had to guess, there are 12 choices. And there are 13 from Menashe, but Levi's out of the equation. They're doing the leading in the Ruchnias. So there's still 12 choices. So Yehuda Lachar would be the choice. They probably had a sneaking suspicion that that was the case. But if you have access to the Urim Vatumen, and this is a classic example of when you're supposed to ask the Urim Vatumen. We're about to go into battle of national importance. This battle is very crucial because it's the first of the battles after Yeshua Benun, so the Umas Ailam around are watching and betting and hoping, Rahmal Islam, that their leader is gone, we're now going to counterattack and we're going to win, take back all this land. It's very important that the first battle make a ration. So even though if you had to guess without an Urvatumim, you probably would guess Yehuda. They're looking for confirmation. And that's fine. We have no criticism of that, and that's protocol. You're supposed to do that. The backdrop is the fact that when Yehuda is picked on the Urvatumim, we're not surprised because of Vayigash and Vayichi. 
And by the way, it's only Vayigishmichi, very recent uh, vintage of Parshas, because after the Mechira, Yehuda was actually sort of deposed and sidelined and moved away, if you remember. So it was not clear till Vayigash and then very clear Vayichi what the role would be. So you'll say, well, if the Yom wouldn't have given an answer, would it have been absolutely clear? We spoke about the Ramban and Chanukah, that the Hashmanaim, their one big mistake was they ended up taking the Malucha, and that was a violation of the Tzavah of Yaakovinu. So it was supposed to be clear, but that's the Hashmanaim. That's long after establishment of Malchus Beis David, where it was absolutely clear, and this is the way it's going to be the Yom That's all later on in history. Right now, there was a Tzavah, that there will be a king, and when there's an official king, it'll be from Yehuda. We're not up to a king yet. Some Echetesi should be Yehuda leading them to battle. Maybe somebody else you will say, that sounds far-fetched. Shaul was picked as the first temporary king before <laughs> David. So why is that? So maybe the leader over here in this first battle is going to be from Benjamin. Yeah, that's strong soldiers. Right, right. So I'm just giving the options. It's not... Absolutely push it. It's just not surprising when the Yom picks Yehuda. But you could say, okay, maybe when you have a king, it's Yehuda, and before then you shouldn't be using Yehuda, otherwise you should appoint the king. I could say Svaru is in the other direction. And that's why they needed the Yom That's number one. That's why they asked the question, and that's the answer they will receive. The Kliyakar, who we'll, we'll be quoting a lot, it's not the Kliyakar on Chumash, it's a later Kliyakar, but a famous Kliyakar on uh, Navi, and uh, a very large safe. He has a lot to say on all the Psukim. And the Kliyakar says that there is a remez over here in the Pasuk to the Chazal that criticized Yeshua and that points to the fact that Yeshua was Nifta Young. And this vacuum of leadership and this decision making process happened earlier than it would have. And that's why, very nice dig, but he achare Mais Yeshua. We ended Yeshua already. The end of Yeshua talks about the Misa Yeshua. Why Chazar again? But he, Achrei Metz Yeshua, now the Yishalos should have gone straight into, they're now about to go into battle, and they asked who goes first. So he says the Remez is that he, Achrei Metz Yeshua, it's because Yeshua ben Nun made the decision he made, Shem Shemayim, but the incorrect decision that they're in this matzav earlier, and it's a Remez to that uh, mistake. You can't call it a Vera, but that mistake, yeah? Uh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. So I'll tell you why, even though it's obvious the end of Chumash. But the transition over here, and we have a lot of Chazals backing up that statement that, that make that diak, that the Zakanim of the Dara looked at Yeshua Benun and they were crying in the Chama of Levana. There were other contrasts to be made over there, but they do make the diak, but for other lessons. Here, it's simply Yeshua Benun, I can't call it an Avera. Its mistake is also, it's Leib Malachim B'yad Hashem, and it's Pashert, like we spoke. Uh, Many years in Al Tishabov of Yechem and Zakai's decision, uh, whether giving up Yerushalayim was the right decision, the wrong decision, is still the right decision. That was the decision put in his head by Kaj Baruch Hu, and that's the decision of the Manhig. That's not papal infallacy, as I uh, uh, like to quickly point out, and I always do when we say that. It doesn't mean that if it's clearly wrong, Masech Taharius is all about not following. An error, but you have to know a thousand percent. When they're at Stadam Lakan Lakan, you can't possibly know a thousand percent, and therefore you're supposed to follow the decision. Which is why Yeshua Benun, when he was going slower, I can imagine there were some people who brought up uh, 
Rebbe, should we fight the next battle quicker? And why are we waiting three weeks? Maybe it was a discussion. And Shur Benun said, no, we've got to rest the troops. I don't know if he said the reason he had it in his mind or not. But they listened because it wasn't clear cut that it was the wrong thing to do. Chazal are telling us in their Ruach HaKadosh that Lamaisa, he could have lived a little longer. And that's the remez here in the Pasuk. Take a look at Rashi in Pasuk Aleph. Mi yale lonu el hakanani. If you remember a few weeks ago, we saw the Psukim in Yeshua, where Yeshua Benun is told by Kosh Baruch Hu, you're going to pass away soon, and therefore I want you to do the Geirul now. Split up the rest of Eretz Yisrael, Rocha Bitzchakatana, and line everybody up and tell each Shevet, this is your Nachla, these are the boundaries, and you're not going to get it yet, it might take quite a few years, but it should be split up now. So first of all, you're preventing machlekes. Uh, they should clearly know this is what Yeshua Benun said, and you're not deciding now. And also give them the impetus and hopefully this resource to go do it quickly because every day that they're still here is the sakana of the hashbar raw and the assimilation and picking up all sorts of chukasem l'selechu, which is all going to happen to a degree. And that's going to be a big problem. So Rashi points out that Mi'elalanu, they understood right after the Petira that we're supposed to get moving on this and each Shevet is really responsible for their territory and they know exactly what that territory is and where it is. And they had it all written down. The girl decided, they drew up maps and they know where it is and it wasn't conquered yet. So that's why Rashi is telling us what the Chiv over here is. It wasn't just an option, option, let's conquer more land. This is still part of the original Kivush Eretz Yisrael, which is unfortunately going to take a long time. The Lashon over here in the Pasuk of asking Hashem, what is the Lashon over here, Yishalub Hashem, so as I mentioned, it means the Uvatumim. If you look in the Metzudah's David, you have a Metzudah's David on your Mikas Gedalus, Hashem Spells out the Urm Vitumim. There is a, I have a uh, different uh, Mikras Gedalus. I don't think you, you don't have a Malbim in there, do you? Yeah, you yeah, you, yeah, you come with Malbim? You have a Malbim? Good. Okay. Okay, good. So take a look at the Malbim, uh, the very first one in Aleph. You have a Bechai Yeshua. I'll make sure the layout is the same. That's the first words of the Malm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the second important deek over here is that not only is this the first thing they're going to do because Yeshua Benun is not giving them direction, in the time of Yeshua Benun, they never had to ask. Yeshua Benun had the ability to make those decisions based on his Das Tairi, his Ruach HaKadosh. Divrei Hashem, says Ruach HaKadosh, if you got direct Nevoahs, doesn't say that first in the Pasuk, but Divrei Hashem means he understood what the Divrei Hashem was. G'mar Shamru, Chachamena, Zechren, Levacha, G'mar Ervin, Sama Gimel, Siv, very interesting deed from the Pasuk, Bamidbar, it's clear in Bamidbar, Chav Zayin, that Yeshua Benun was told that you're taking over soon, and you're in charge, and with you will be Elazar. So similar to Mesha Benun Aaronakain. So it's gonna be Yeshua Benun and Elazar. And the Pasik says, Lefne Elazar Kain Yamud, which means you have a question, you don't know which battle to pick, 
where to go, what to do with Klai Yisrael, things of national importance, go to Allah Zer HaKayim. He's wearing the Urim V'tumim and ask him. No, Hashem spoke to him. That was the original instructions, Chazak Vamatz, and go, and we're coming into Israel, it's going to be Gavaldic, and you're going to succeed. We're talking about Yeshua. Sefer Yeshua is very long. He did many, many hundreds of things. No, that the original, that says Beferish is a Nevoah. It doesn't say he got a Nevoah for every step. He fought hundreds and hundreds of battles. No, no, we have no problem. It's either, that's why I said, either his Das Tari knowing what to do, or Ruach HaKadosh, or the Rek Nevoah, it doesn't make a difference. He didn't, the Malbim's point is, the Pusik says that when he has a Shailah, if and when, Lufnei Allah Zarkan Yamad. And the next line of the Malbim, Lamatsanu Shenitzuch La Yeshua. This is from the Gemara Nerevin. He never used it. He never needed it. Not that he needed it and didn't use it. Now the Yeshua is not here, now they have to ask the Yom Vatum. Which means, now there's more to it, not for now, but the Gemara and Ervin is alluding to something interesting. The Pasuk almost seems to be saying, this is what you should do or can do. So now we have to say, can do, if you need it, and he didn't need it. So, it's a Great scenario, not to have questions instead of having questions, having to come on to an answer. Um, you're sort of asking, what does it make how we get the message from Hashem, the Yomitumim, or as we HaKadosh, and Das Tehran. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's an easier system. You don't have to start going to, yeah, walking to the best Medrash and going out and asking a child, you got to unscramble the words in your head, however you mean it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a process. It's a process, and uh, it's easier. The question, your mommy, may be for later, but it's not. So again, now, why did it happen that way? Is that a or chesaron for Yeshua Benun or Lazar Kohen Gadol, or are we indifferent on the matter? Is it just easier and therefore great, and Lazar was happier, and Yeshua was happier? So, not for now, but Lamaisa, the mom was pointing out that this Pasuk is a new thing. Now they had to ask Neum Vatumim, which wasn't used for a long, long time. It's part of the big day It's used every day. You wear it. Used meaning it wasn't uh, consulted. Okay, let's go back. You can't ask, well, that, what you just alluded to is one shot in what the aphid was in the time of Davidam you're referring to, they didn't have a thousand minimums, they had one. And no, you can't ask what the market's doing tomorrow if you're selling short or buying long or, yeah, you can't, uh, <laughs> you have to, uh, sorry, disappoint everybody. Yeah, it's not for personal use and uh, not even personal use of the king. Uh, has to be of national importance and uh, you're all very disappointed. What? <laughs> Uh, yeah, insider trading, right. Yeah. Insider trading was not so before the 29 crash. This is way before the 29 crash. Limits Parham. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be a problem, but that would be, uh, I mean, you can, you can understand this din. It's kind of a zilzal of the Urvatumim. Everybody's asking uh, what the markets are doing. So, yeah, it's of national importance, and it has to be when you really don't have the information otherwise. Why would you want to bother the kind Gadol and... I don't think it's a tircha, but it's still a chutzpah. What are you asking just to make sure if you had either the Ruach HaKadosh or certainly a Nevoah, as you have it already. So, that is the first Pasuk. There is a... I, I think the problem, yeah. uh, when we asked 
He knew what to do. That's what I'm calling Das Torah. He he had he had a Messiah from Moshe Rabbeinu. <coughs> he was his Talmud Muvik. He never left the base measures, so he got everything, and that's wonderful. Then you don't need to consult as much, and there's nothing wrong. Lo Madrega, if you're confused, then you ask the Yerushalmi. So if you remember, we uh, we mentioned the guns shot with Elia Kain. That's going to be at the very end of the period of Shaftim where he didn't know what was going on with Chana, and he asked him to him, and we were scrambling at that point to figure out why is that of national importance, and what, what was his heter, and he got an answer, he just misread the answer, and the letters were there, and he unscrambled it the wrong way, and he had Shikara, and she corrected him, and he, she said it's Kasara or Kashera, or whichever shot you take, it was of national importance. So my theory was then that she was the wife of the God Ladar, and if there was Rahman a drinking problem over there, that could affect Klaus in a big way. That was my own conjecture. But Haladovahu doesn't sound like they're not going to war. Why was that? So that's a rare occasion and you see over there the Akhine was the God Ladar and you don't always have the ability to unscramble the words. So that was and that was a time of I guess relative Hesterpanam or else he wouldn't have had the cash in the first place, or would have gotten a more direct Ruach HaKadosh answer or something like that. So it doesn't, doesn't always work. They don't say that. That would have been a possibility, but I think that would be Beferish. Somebody would point out before we were trying to figure out in Shear why they ever had to ask in the first place. So I, I don't think that's not a possibility before I saw that nobody pointed that out. Um, but I think it was more of the Hester Panam. It was a time. The reason, if you remember 18 years ago, the beginning of Shmuel Aleph, uh, the reason why Chana succeeded in her tefillahs, besides the fact she davened for decades, but why she all of a sudden succeeds, she now, Rav Dessel says, she has a pislam peh because Klai Yisrael needed a nutkufa of a nuviyah. And she, so she, Baruch Hashem, was at the right place at the right time, and a tremendous Sadekis who was davening and had a huge pile of tilas which worked. And she was asking the Shemayim, she asked, I don't want just for me, I want a child that's going to be a God that's going to help Klai Yisrael all the Marbrachas. And that worked at a time when Klai Yisrael really needed. So, Zev is a Gerim, and this is a Dover, is that Eli was the God Ladar, and it was the Rebbe of Shmuel and Avi, but the uh, Dvar Hashem was already rare then, and to the extent that even he couldn't even get the answer exactly right with asking the Ratumim. That was, I think, a, more of a symbol of the times. From Afreya, he, he was right, because she answered him that I'm trying to get a Gadol Adorfa. Yeah, and that's why he tainted, he was Chai Misa when he came later, Marulach Mei Rabba, and she said, no, no, we can't replace him, we need him now. That's why that whole thing worked. But the contrast over here is here we're starting off fresh in Shreftim, and they asked the question, they got an answer right away. Very clear answer, because they're still in the middle of the conquest. I don't know if they're 60% finished, 70% finished, but they need to get going, and they got a clear answer because they're asking the right question and trying to do the right thing. So it starts off, starts off well. Let's see Pasik Bays. Vayemer, Hashem, the answer, Yehuda Yale. Not only did they get the answer of who should go first, these are the kind of answers we'd love all the time. The answer, the instructions, the directions, and the results beforehand. Isn't that nice? That would be, be great. The results beforehand. 
you can have direction that who goes first? Well, the battle formation. We said the Havmina could have been God, could have been. Well, the answer is Yehuda is not king yet, but he's a leading Shevet. Send Yehuda and had nothing else been lighting up on the Urim Tumim, Machlik Zashainim, whether it's on the Urim Tumim or in his head, if that was the end of the message, then they would have went and just, uh, you know, went into battle and that was it. It didn't have to be the second half. The second half was the Siat Hashemaya, the son of the times, that they went a very high madrega. And Kosh Baruch wanted to give him a chizik because a little taunting, Yeshua Benun is gone. They're a little bit for tumult. So Hashem said, Yehuda should go. And the message wasn't even you'll be successful. It was spelled out clearly. Hine, Nasati, Esarat, Biyadoi. It's like the battle's over already. You didn't even go yet. It's right in front of you. Just walk in. It's all yours. Almost like Yericha. Yes. Yeah, so we'll... Um, this seems to be the same exact question, but here, here they're, getting a, they're getting an answer which is... Let, let, let me tell you the quick answer. It's a very detailed... When we get there, we'll go into it, but over there, they presuppose that they should be going to battle, and therefore the question was off-base because you asked the question, who goes first? You didn't ask if we should go. You're fighting a battle against another Shevet. It's a civil war. So they presuppose they're, going, they're starting a civil war. That was not Pashat at all. It's not Pashat they were wrong. The question is... The assumption and making the assumption over here, they were absolutely correct. Yeshua Benun was no longer here. They're in the middle of conquering Israel. You got to conquer Israel. There was no Shaila about that. Shaila is who should be in the front. We don't want to mess this battle up. So they're not they're not dumb at all. That's the the answer. The other question is what exactly was wrong with the question that well, ask me uh, later on. We're not going to get there for a while. But uh, the assumption was the uh, was the problem. Okay, see who does going first. Pasuk Gimel. Who this mysterious Shimon Achiv is, we'll see in a moment. Please come join me in battle to conquer my Nachalah. Remember, they're in the center of the country. Uh, we shall have to give out the maps again soon, but they're conquering their Chalik. You'll say, well, if each Shevet is conquering their own Chalik, would you have to ask who goes up first? What kind of what's the Shiloh? Why don't you Dun should go and conquer theirs and Benyamin should go and conquer theirs? But why the answer is that no, the first battle is crucial was the Gaima watching to see that we can't do it. And the Mullah country and Yehuda is the center and the pulse of the country, and therefore they just wanted to know should we be doing this first or just send everybody on their way? And everybody go fight them, simultaneous battles. The answer is no. First do this and send a Rashim, we mean business. And um, Yehuda asked Shimon Achiv, we'll comment in a moment who that was, Aleiti Bigaroli, help me conquer my Chalik. Vinilachama Bikanani, Valachi Gamani Itcha Bigarolacha, Vayelach Ita Shimon. So who is Shimon? Is it a person or a Shevet? So take a look at Rashi in Gimel. First shot, Lashevet Shimon. So this is the beginning, the first insight to a very long relationship good, long relationship in a positive way between Shimon and Yehuda. If you remember, Shimon and Levi, um, already in Parashat Yishlach, got into a little bit of a sikhsuch, a little bit into dangerous, unchartered, hashkafic territory and halachic territory, are making decisions on their own. And then in this week's parasha again, interesting, we're starting this in Vayechi, they get 
heavy, heavy musr. The conversation ended, and Yaakov didn't answer. He gave the Musa, what are you doing? There are 100 million Goyim over here, and we have 12 people. What are you, what are you thinking? So they said, Jewish pride, Nashamar and Hefker, it's all true, just that it's true, and you've got to know what to do with it and what you can't do with it, and what Gullah's conditions are. And Yaakovina pointed out, Yaakovina is the Chish above us in Gullah's conditions, that we're in Gullah's conditions even though we didn't even start Klaisol yet. And there are 100 million guys surrounding us, and whatever the number was. And we're outnumbered severely, which is, uh, uh, unfortunately nowadays, something to keep in mind as well. You can't do whatever you want, even if you feel like showing that you want to flex your muscles. On the other hand, you're allowed to protect yourself. Okay, that's a different, uh, different schmooze. But you have to know you're still in Gullis. There's a... I was sitting next to a few Rabbonim at the Sinim Ashas, and uh, some odd reason in my uh, section there. Uh, I was the youngest one by about uh, 25 years, and they all pointed out to me... I, it's, it, it rang a bell. We were discussing the matzah, and uh, they said, you know... Uh, Baruch Hashem, we're happy, and it's still Baruch Hashem pretty safe. But there was 30 years where you didn't see this going on to the extent the last couple of months have been pretty uh, brutal. And it reminded me that, you know, when I left, one guy told me, he says, I was learning guitar with us. Every day we had a fight when we left, and they had switchblades. And does this sound familiar? They <laughs> said it was like really bad. And then all of a sudden, so, see, they, they said my children, grandchildren growing up, they, they're, they're all bent out of shape. They never heard of this before. And then the other guy said, yeah, I learned in here. And in Williamsburg, we had gang fight. It was dangerous. Like, they had, they had to have guards at the front. So they said, you know, it's not, we don't want to go back there, but it's not like, we're still in Gullis. It's not. And I was, like, vaguely remembering somewhere in the mid-'70s, this was the whole, the whole JDL thing was a reaction to, to this. And you can arm yourself with as many switchblades, guns, or whatever you want, where Yakavinu we're still outnumbered, 300 million to... Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. So, so it's not... So that doesn't mean we shouldn't do a so not That's not the referent for that now, but it was interesting. I was talking to people who were... And they're reminiscing about gang wars. I was in Shiva, we never had any gang wars. I never saw a switchblade, but I'm hoping never to see one. But, so I was a little bit too young for the discussion, but... Uh, it was Haladavrahu. They're just saying maybe we should tell people not to get so nervous like it sometimes goes away. We hope it gets back down to where it was. But it's not completely unusual and you have to be careful to still exist in the society, demand your rights and do the shots you do. But, you know, there are certain reactions. Shimon Levi were young and strong and they had a reaction. Yaakovin said, and waited till this week's parasha to give them a full, uh, a real Mishaberich in a positive way. He gave him a bracha. He's the bracha. Mishaberich. Right? Boy, did he, the, to the extent uh, Yehuda didn't want to walk in afterwards. That's how tough it was. So the result, the tikkun, is a better word than result, more positive word, is in the Midbar, you already see Levi from Mitzrayim already, and through the Midbar and through Kaisal's history, Levi took their... Nachala, lack thereof, really, of their Avaida, uh, purifying it. It became almost Kula Ruchni. They didn't even get an Achala in Yisrael. They assumed the, the role of Klikaidish come out exclusively. Shimon in the Midbar didn't do that well. 
as well, they, they were from the Kepteramitsis, but you know, in the Midbar, Shimon had some of the same issues. And the Rabbi Yankov points this out, the Afitzim B'Yisrael, the bracha over here, and it's a bracha, is you have to know what your midas are and know how to use them. Kanos is very good, not too concentrated in one area. So Akash Baruch Hu sort of spread them out. Lodim is spread out all over Israel, they are Lodim. And Shimon got an achala, and that's what this Pesach is about. Shimon got an achala, but it wasn't that clear. It didn't look like an independent achala. It was sort of like a subset of Yehuda's area. And Yehuda took the role of almost like the big brother, even though he was the younger brother. And they were sort of always part of Yehuda's general area. And that was, some people mislabel it as a punishment. It wasn't a punishment. It was a tikkun that they should be around the shevet that has a leadership position and knows how to use the kanos when it's needed and not overuse it. And they were always close together and Yehuda sort of like was taking care of him in the Ruchnius. And here you see it for the first time in Ferris. Yehuda asked Shimon to come help him because of the reality of the map is you're here and you're right next to Yehuda, sort of like almost Balua in Yehuda, and therefore you come with me, you'll conquer this, and I'll conquer this. He didn't do this with Don or any other Shevet, even though we saw Don, my part of Don was, was close by, but Shimon was part of their Nachala. And that's why this is going on. So it's pretty deep. A simple pasuk is, Why would he ask all the shvatim? It's totally in parshas la'yishla, parshas la'yichi, and the parshas in the midbar of what Shimon did or didn't do. And that's why they ended up over here. So uh, that's the first shot in Rashi. Uh, the second shot, we'll just see quickly. I want to see some peliyets. Yesh peitzin yudi yala hu asniel. Actually, we skipped the one Rashi. Alei ti azrein lichmas mashanofel begorali yesh peitzin yudi yala hu asniel. Who Yavitz, Osniel is going to be, now he's the commander. And the head of the Shevet, he's going to be the Shevet of all Kaisel soon. And Rashi says the second shot, according to the Gemara, is Yehuda was Osniel, their Rosh Shevet, their Nasi. And he had a brother by the name of Shimon, who was very capable. And he asked his brother, Can you come with me? And then you have to translate, Nachla means. I'm conquering the general area and I'll get my homestead and I'm going to get yours also and then I'll help you with yours. It was hand-to-hand battle in each district, in each neighborhood. So, Pashup Shot, Rashi says the first shot is the entire Shevet, the backdrop of their ultimate uh, Nachala and their destiny and what their job is. And the second shot, it's not necessarily a steer. It could be said to the Shevet. He also said it to his brother. Those are the two Pshatim. Let's go to the Peliates for a few minutes. We're on page Mem Gimel, the second paragraph in Onah, where we left off a few weeks ago. We're talking about not taking advantage of people, not overcharging. Yesterday, during the shear, beginning of the shear, we were discussing MCAs, Merchant Cash Advances, and we discussed the Hashkafa, is that uh, taking advantage of that or not? Uh, the answer is, if that's the market rate, even though 55% sounds like a lot of interest, but short-term loan, and ends up, it doesn't sound when you're first giving the rate that 55, 60% is what the rate is, but if it's only for four months and you, you do the math, it's very high, but they're not hiding it, that, that's the rate, and the businesses that need the short-term loans are more than happy to pay it. We had a little bit of a machlekes in the Metzias, but um, David told me after the year, he says it's commonly used in his industry, 
and they're waiting for secure government payments, and this is how they get by, and they're happy to pay. I'm not happy to pay. No one wants to pay to the interest, but they're happy the arrangement can be turned around in 24 hours when they have a cash crunch. So that's a great example where the person who asked me the Shiloh was very impressed with. He said, Hashkafically, is this okay? It's a lot of money. A lot of money to make in a short time. Is there's a risk factor. People go, it's not a, not a dover pusher, and if the business doesn't make it, you're going to be in big trouble. And if he's willing to pay it, and that's the market condition, and you're giving it, you're not trying to destroy him, you want the business to survive, you want to get paid, move on to the next one, you're happy he survives. So that's not Ona. Ona is market rates, and the bottle of water in the desert is $5 instead of $1 because it's a desert. The Ona is when you're charging $5 for the bottle of water in the city when the guy happens to be more thirsty than he should be. Is that what it comes out to? 75% interest? That's the aggregate of 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's compound. Okay. That sounds scary. That sounds scary. I have 55, 60% in four months is very scary. You have to be, as a business owner, you have to make a decision that we got caught by surprise. Market conditions sometimes fluctuate. And we're really short of cash. We need $300,000 ASAP. Banks can't turn it around in 24 hours or 48 hours. And we need this. There apparently is a real market need to fill this void. And they're filling it. It landed uh, on these interest rates. Apparently, that's the rate. The market uh, in this country is very self-regulating. So if they can get away with it for three points cheaper or more expensive, it would be done. So that's not or not, even though it sounds like a wild number. That's an important example of this. Next example, the more simple example given in the Gemara. You can't have a box or barrel of apples and have 90% rotten apples on the bottom and put on the top nice shiny ones. You take shellac and you smear them, uh, which they do. I couldn't resist. And uh, you, uh, you make them all shiny and they're on the top. And you, the guy looks in. You do it two layers down. The guy looks in. And it looked great to me. And then he buys the whole barrel. Today they put the barrel through an MRI or something like that to see. Uh, that might drive up the price of the apples a little bit. But buyer beware has a role in the sugya. It makes the sugya complicated. When is it or no? I, mean, I have an open barrel. Why doesn't he look? And he says, most people don't dig to the bottom of the barrel. So if you're hiding something, he's probably not going to do that. That's with used cars. And that's with anything you're selling. If you want to be a Ganov, you could try to hide it. And that's Geneva, and it's also Ona. That's a form of Geneva. And you're lying, and you're embellishing, and you're trying to show something that is not really indicative of the value of the product, the true value. This next line is so out of control that I, we might have a Kula. It's, this line, how would you type it? What do the words mean? Yes. <laughs> so I said, out of control. I, I, I remember teaching, uh, we had this year with a group of businessmen, and we got to Hilchus Ana, years ago. Two of the guys were going, Mamish Bashugir. He said, That's us, sir? He said, We do that? That's our first sentence, our second, our third sentence, fourth sentence, our final sentence. That's all we say. Is that I can't sell to you, you're killing me. I, uh, that's, that's lower than my cost. So I said, Is that true? They said, Of course not. So I said, I, I don't know. So you're saying you're lying. He said, no, that's not lying. That's the expression used. 
The truth is, there's also a Dharm that sort of backs this up, where they're making, not only are they lying, they're backing it up, a Shfu is in a Dharm, and they're swearing left, right, and center. So the Gemara, it's interesting, the Gemara just quotes it in the context of a Dharm, a Shfu is, so they were bringing Uriah, that, uh, yeah, it's got to be Mutter, you see the Gemara doesn't comment, Mihu, this happens to be in his derise of Midvar Shekin Tirchak and Ona. That's not exactly Uriah, it could be the Gemara is telling you the facts on the ground, I did agree. The pas shot in the Gemara is that there is an element of exaggeration and hyperbole that is so prevalent and so rampant that there comes a point where he knows and she knows and the other guy knows and I know. And everybody knows that nobody here really is serious. I don't know. I'll ask you. So the market sheer was a little surprised and I know what's going on in the world. I, didn't, I knew it happened. I didn't know it was that rampant. And the, uh, this particular shear comes up, um, I'm going to ask you, you'll discuss it and you'll tell me <laughs> next week's shear. Uh, is Dover Pusher, you look the guy in the eye and you tell him, uh, it's got to be $1,000, you offer me $800, I paid $850, what do you want to do? I've got to make a pot of stuff for my family. So he knows Dover Pusher, you didn't pay $850, you paid $600, you just want to make more of a profit? Definitely a suffix, right, exactly, because... If you say it convincing, you look him in the eye and you lie straight into his eye. Uh, it's got to be a suffix because it wouldn't be effective if he knows that what you just said was a old lie. What? Yes. So uh, I'll leave. I'll leave you with that. I, it says over here it's also He's addressing it was going on at the time of the Peleids. He's addressing you can't do that. That's lying. If he believes you, that's enough because what you're saying is you're allowed up to a sixth, but you can't. Tell him, first of all, something to increase the profit margin more than that. And even this profit margin, you're lying to give him a false sense of a value that doesn't exist. So the pushback you always get is he doesn't have a right to know my cost, and it's true. By the way, it's not right. He's trying to find out your cost. And he'll do that at any cost to find out your cost. So are you allowed to lie when he asks you what your cost was? The answer is, I don't want to, you should try not to lie before Irish. He has no right to ask you that. And you don't have to answer a question he has no right to ask. That I will say. So that's already a, a lot to think about. What? That's a Shiloh. He had no right to ask it. We'll discuss that to Mitzvah Shem. Thank you very much. You can turn it off unless you want to record the conversation with Kol when you go home for breakfast. But you might want to turn it off before then. Uh, yeah. They don't have to know. They don't have to know.